Hey, 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 you guys. Thank you all so much for being back on Black Canvas. We're in season 10, and we have another amazing guest here on the show. We have Mr. Gregory G. Smalls. He is a father, a husband, a life and relationship coach, an entrepreneur, philanthropist, author, executive chef, and restaurateur. He co-created the Gentleman's Ball, an annual Black Tie fundraising gala, which celebrates the accomplishments of Black LGBTQ plus AI people and benefits the Gentleman's Foundation, which promotes holistic development of Black men in the LGBTQ plus AI community. G has a husband, one, and a son, Little G, and they live in Atlanta, and they operate the first restaurant, Virgil's Gula um, Kitchen and Bar. And I'm just so glad to have G, you here on the show. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm grateful to be here. I'm always grateful to share myself and to connect with, with new people. So thank you for the platform. Oh, absolutely. I'm just very excited to have you here on the show. And I wanted to let you know when we get started, um, I'm actually going to be getting your book today so I can read it awesome. from front to back. So I'm excited to support you as an author myself. I love helping people and promoting you know, a good message out there. So I'm, I'm excited to read it. And I just wanted to tell you, thank you for writing a book that I think is going to help a lot of people when they get an opportunity to read it. And we'll talk about that toward the end for sure. You're welcome. All right. So I created some fun questions for you. And I really wanted to start by talking about your nonprofit organization, the Gentleman's Foundation. Mm -hmm. Do you mind letting us know more about the importance of donating to this foundation? And tell us, how did it start? Yeah, so funny thing, the Gentleman's Foundation actually has been dormant for the past few years since we've opened Virgil's Gala Kitchen and Bar. Um, but I'll, I'll give you some background on the Gentleman's Ball and the Gentleman's Foundation. Um, it was actually started on 11-11-11, and this is when we had our first black tie fundraiser, the Gentleman's Ball. And the Gentleman's Ball actually existed before the Gentleman's Foundation it evolved into the Gentleman's Foundation a few years later, but we created the Gentleman's Ball because um, I wanted to do like a second chance prom and, and had the opportunity for men in our community to dress up and go on dates and, you know, ex experience prom in a way that they probably didn't get to experience in high school. So there was like a second chance for them to do that. Um, the event became a major success. Um, and by the second year, we added honors program to the, to the, to the Gentleman's Ball where we honored different men in the community were helping helping to push social change um you know at this time we just didn't um have organizations that were recognizing the greatness of who we were in our community you know this was before the time of black lives matter and when it became sexy and trendy to to honor us um and so it really uh it really became a movement and so we did it for about eight nine years uh, we hosted eight gentlemen's balls. Um, by 2014, it had grown into the Gentlemen's Foundation. Uh, we launched a mentoring program. Um, we also had a mental health program. We also did different health workshops. And we also had a scholarship program as well. But in 2018, actually, um, the Gentlemen's Foundation did become a bit dormant. Um, we ran out of funds. We were uh, opening Virgil's Gala Kitchen at the time. Uh, and so really kind of uh, taking a turning point in our life and, and starting this new venture. So in the past three to four years, we've opened uh, three restaurants and now opening our fourth. So 
now we're kind of getting into a place where we're more stable and we can start feeding back into the Genesis Foundation. So it's our our goal later this year to form some partnerships with some people that are doing similar work in the community, uh, as well as start our scholarship program again next year. I'm excited for you. And I want to make a correction, you guys. I screwed up the name and I knew that he corrected me on it earlier. And it is Gullah and not Gula. I was thinking of food. Don't feel bad. A lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people say Gula when they see the name if they have never heard of Gullah Geechee culture. And can you kind of expand upon that so I can learn more about it? I really don't know much about that. Yeah, so Gullah Geechee culture is actually the oldest Black culture in America. And most people, most African Americans, most Black people in America can trace their roots back to the port of Charleston because the port of Charleston, which is where I'm from, is where most of the enslaved Africans came in that and were sold off to other parts of the country. Um, And so a lot of us, um, a lot of my ancestors lived in Charleston, stayed in Charleston. They were brought in Charleston to grow rice in the marshlands because it was such a difficult skill that our ancestors had, and they brought them over to make rice, uh, to, to grow rice in the marshlands. So you will see in our culture, we still to this day eat a lot of rice with all of our dishes. Every day there's always a pot of rice on the stove. Um, it is a West African culture. Um, so, you know, a lot of similarities with West African culture, like the jollof rice, and we have red rice. Um, we also, it's also Creole culture, and it also comes with our own language. So, you know, a lot of times when I moved to Atlanta for the first time, everybody thought I was Jamaican or from the Bahamas or from New Orleans, because we have a similar, um, a similar accent, which, or a similar language, which I would say, because it is an, an official language. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's where I grew up as a, um, a mixed race black man with a white mom um, in yeah Charleston, South Carolina so you know Gullah Geechee culture exists on the shores of southern North Carolina and northern Florida so anywhere from um, the northern Florida shoreline to Savannah to, to Charleston up to northern southern North Carolina is where the Gullah Geechee people are Oh, wow. I love that. And, you yeah. know, the funny thing is I'm originally from New Orleans. I lived there for 20 years. So, Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, we the first Creole culture, my brother. <laughs> OK. Now, now, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> I love I love how you just got me all the way together. I <laughs> but I think that's a good thing. And I know you you grew up in the 80s, correct? Am I, I did. Am I, I did. I, I'm 46 years old. So I was born in 1977. So the 80s and early 90s are definitely my youth years. There we go. And so I was born in 85. So I've had a lot of experience of just, and that's one thing I love about New Orleans, I will say, is that it's such an eclectic place to be. And you learn so much about different experiences. I just remember like as a kid going to Cafe Du Monde and going to the flea market and just being able to go to Saints games. That was before the Saints became really popular. I remember being at the games with my grandpa and they were throwing tomatoes at the, on the field. And, just, <laughs> and, I was, and everyone wore trash bags. And I'm like, why are people doing this? He's like, don't worry about it. I'm like, okay. But <laughs> it, was, it was such a fun experience. So I wanted to kind of talk to you about Black Enough, Man Enough. Because yeah. I know that was a book that had a lot of revelations for people to kind of learn more about your upbringing, your life. Do you mind kind of giving us some tidbits about the book and the reason yeah. you actually wanted to write it? So Black Enough, Man Enough is um, a story. It's a memoir. Um, and, it's, and it's my life from birth to age 40. And it talks about my struggle growing up as a mixed race black man in the oldest black culture in America. 
as well as my struggle with my sexuality and being fluid between my attractions between women and men and what those relationships would like. Um, and, you know, uh, really just a journey through self-discovery. So we talk about, you know, traumatic relationships in my life and me raising my son and going through divorce and custody battles and, um, you know, just being outcasted and, and what that journey was like for me to finally come into myself and love me for me. Um, and that's, that's really in a nutshell what the book is about and really what, what made me write the book because I had no intentions ever of writing a memoir, but me and my husband at the time were doing a YouTube show called Love Works with Juan and G. And we're both love and relationship coaches. And so it was our intention to kind of write a, uh, a self-help type book about relationships and our journey. Um, and when we started writing the book, um, we both had, you know, homework assignments from our book coach at the time. And that was for me to kind of give a background of, you know, who I was before meeting Juan and Juan was to do the same. And so I started writing and it turned into a faux memoir, Black Enough, Man Enough. And coincidentally or not, uh, Juan wasn't really ready to write at the time. So it was really, it was really about me, you know, digging in and, and writing this memoir. And so that's how it came to be. I love that. And, you know, with June being Pride Month, this is such a great opportunity for us to learn more about things that you have pride in. And I think that, first of all, releasing a book and putting your information and your life story out there for people to unfortunately at times pick it apart. But I think it's such a cathartic moment for you because you're able to put your experiences on paper. It's kind of like bleeding into your yeah. the pages. And so like I said, I enjoy seeing and hearing people who are being heard and who are expressing themselves and, and finding, you know, a healthy pride. I, when we think of pridefulness, people go immediately to ego. And I feel like there is a thing called a healthy ego that we can have, yeah. which can help to develop um, relationships that can last a lifetime. So mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of ask you, are there three things that you feel that you can take pride in that you have been able to accomplish in your life? And the second part of that, um, are there three things that you currently are grateful for? Um, so three things that I'm most proud of. So I can definitely say, and just coming off the heels of the conversation of the book is one thing I am definitely most proud of is my, my freedom and the way I have liberated myself and my journey to liberation. Um, uh, something else I think I'm very proud of is definitely very proud of, of my relationship and my partnership with my husband. We've been together for 15 years. Um, it is a relationship that has really pushed me to where I am today. It has pushed me to freedom. It has nurtured me. It has healed me. Um, it has done so many things for me. So I'm definitely extremely proud um, of that relationship. Um, and I'm also proud, very extremely proud um, to just be an inspiration. I mean, I, I get, um, I know that I talk about a lot of things we don't typically talk about in our community or in society in general. I'm very transparent. And so I talk about a lot. I talk about a lot of my experiences and, and there's never something I tell. There's never something I share where someone is not reaching out, thanking me for sharing. Um, and so for me to be able to inspire, inspire others to their own freedom is something I'm very proud of as well. Um, That's amazing. I, I forgot the second part of the question. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. Um, three things that you're grateful for. Um, I am grateful for um, health. 
I am grateful for um, my keen sense of self-awareness. Um, and I am grateful for my curiosity about life. I like those. And you know, you guys, he just came out with that on the spot. So that just shows you <laughs> um, <laughs> how important it is to, to find gratefulness. I would say we need to do gratitude lists every week. I mean, because... gratitude is gratitude is actually something I have on my reminder five times a day. I get a, a ding on my phone, gratitude, just to be sit just for a moment to feel grateful for where I am right now. And for me, that is how you manifest more and more to be grateful for, you know, and that's what really works for me. Yes. I have um, on my phone, I have a mantra app. And so it will literally send me mantras every single day. I normally get six to seven a day for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, But as a counselor, I'm a licensed professional counselor full time. I enjoy being able to do that for my clients. So I have a thing I came up with called a Monday Mantra Day where I, you know, give the mantras to work on and it can recite them in the mirror. And then we kind of go over it at later periods where people can kind of share their experience if it's something they felt was true or something they're trying to convince themselves of. And it's it's a way of just reminding yourself that, you know, we can be present and we can find little wins and experiences and mm-hmm. being able to just you know, be in the presence of someone else and allowing them to tell their version of, of their life yeah. is just such a rewarding feeling. And so I know with you dealing with, you know, many people in a public eye and just, you know, being able to be a restaurant tour and, and you've got to be around a lot of different individuals yeah. and for someone to say, oh, I, I know G, oh, you know, G's story stood out to me or I read his book and, you know, you really helped change my life. Like, that's just such a, a empowering moment. Yeah, sure. it is. It, it definitely is. It, it reminds me of my purpose. Yes. And, you know, one of my favorite phrases I like to say is, you know, in order for us to find our purpose, we have to go through painful experiences. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that the painful experience will not help us to become better human beings. And yes, so I, I love that. And speaking of you being prideful and having an amazing experience, as you mentioned, you have a son. And I know you have probably some suggestions and maybe some advice for someone who may be maybe in a blended family or may be struggling with, you know, being a single parent or co-parenting. Do you have any maybe advice you can give based on your experience with raising your son that can help someone who's maybe going through challenges and trying to figure out how to navigate being a parent and, and being able to live their life as well? Yeah, so... Uh, one thing, you know, in raising my son, I've always tried to be completely transparent and open with him as well. I always feel like when we try to shield kids from things, we make, you know, we kind of make the situation worse. You know, I think that we underestimate the ability for kids to adapt and to understand. Um, you know, most of the time, you know, kids adopt and learn their fears from us and fears from their parents. So for us to shield things from them is really instilling fear in them. Um, and so I, I'm always I'm an advocate of, you know, you know, raising your children um, for, with the realities of life. Um, and I don't believe that, you know, there are things that, that, you know, don't that we shouldn't tell them. And so I think that's really helpful for me in raising my son. And I will also give a piece of advice for blended families because it is something that 
me and my husband struggled with when raising my son is trying to figure out each person's role in the family, especially the new parent. Um, I think sometimes we can get caught up in what a step parent is supposed to be and how they're supposed to show up, what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to raise the child or what role they're supposed to take in their lives. And what we've come to learn is that, you know, my son and my husband form their own relationship based off of their own terms and, and what that evolved to on their own. Um, and so, you know, me trying to remove what I thought that a step parent should be um, was not what was hindering them from forming their own relationship. So once I was able to release those controls and rules, they were able to form their own beautiful, authentic relationship. That's great. I mean, I, one thing I will say when it comes to, you know, having parents in your life, I was just very blessed to have a very strong mother and, a, and definitely a grandfather who stepped in and just always showed me love, support and care. And I feel like there are a lot of people out there who unfortunately may not have that love and support or understanding. And so I always say my thoughts and prayers always go to individuals who have gone through struggles. I went through a lot of struggles with my dad growing up and, you know, I've forgiven him and moved on to a different point in my life, but mm -hmm. I just wish I had what you have with your, your son of, you know, even with the challenges that y'all still are together yeah. and y'all are able to support each other. And I always tell people, you know, you can find your family, whatever that family looks like in yeah. different aspects of your life. But you also have to remember, you know, to cherish those memories because, you know, you're doing a lot of legacy work with him. And as he continues to evolve, he'll be able to look and say, hey, my, my dad not only showed me, you know, what his version of, you know, manhood looks like, what his version of being an entrepreneur looks like, but he also showed me what love looks like. And yeah. so that's just a great thing. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. So I do want to, um, this is a question I ask every person that comes on the show. Um, if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would you say to young G? Oh, um, I think I would tell him to relax. And that's what I'm telling old G too. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would tell him to relax. You know, I've, um, I've always been the type of person, I've, I've always been kind of an anxious worrier type of person just based off the environment that I grew up in. Um, and always, uh, I think maybe being on edge. Um, and so I, I think I would just tell myself to relax and just to, to go with the flow, you know? A lot of times we think that we're controlling li our life, but we have no control of our life at all. And so once you understand that and once you can understand that you really are supposed to go with the flow of life and release resistance, um, a whole world opens up for you. So if I had learned that a lot younger, um, which I wasn't supposed to, I needed my journey. But if I had known that a lot younger, you know, I would have been uh, maybe not have experienced some of the heartaches or some of the challenges that I ran into because I was resisting the flow of life. I love that you said that the flow of life and just resistance in general, I feel like COVID, if, if it didn't teach anyone anything, it definitely was just being in the moment and also cherishing, you know, experiences that you're able to build. And I feel like for many of us, it can be a level of control and it doesn't mean that we don't want to give up certain levels of control. It's almost like if I don't have control over this, then what do I have? And I feel like 
that can be such a big challenge. And especially for young men, you know, going through their own challenges and growing. Because yeah. we see, of course, with the media shows of, you know, what is out there and what it looks like for you to be someone. And it's so much what I like to call toxic masculinity out there which then makes it even harder for people to, you know, not only express themselves, but to get to know different types of people. Yeah. Different experiences. And just relax, you know, yeah. just relax. Especially as a black man growing up in America, relaxing is something we haven't been granted, you know, it's something mm-hmm. we're not able to do. So we have to find our, we have to find our way into, into being able to relax. So. Yes. And then your own definition of what relaxation means, too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of times, you know, we the, the problem is the resistance. You know, things happen for us. We think it happens to us. And sometimes we sit in this space of resisting what the reality is, which is really wasted space and a detriment to you because, you know, we, we kind of reject reality for this this period of time because we want to resist what's happening and how we could have changed it but the quicker you can move into the flow of what's happening the quicker you 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 can move on absolutely and i I always tell people um being a survivor of you know police brutality and being a survivor of hurricanes katrina and rita my statement i tell people when they're like oh you were a victim i'm like no that's not how i identify I I identify as a person who experienced some challenges. It shouldn't, of course, have happened, but it also allowed me to be grateful that I'm here. You know, I could have died in that storm, but there's a reason that I'm here, and it it is obviously a bigger purpose. And so for me, that's always something that gives me solace and gives me comfort. It doesn't mean that I don't, of course, have moments when I have breakdowns or when I don't go back to that that moment and those, those scenes and and knowing what some people experience, but, you know, that doesn't, you know, take away from that challenge, which allowed me to have more empathy for not only myself, but for other people as well. So I feel like that was such a great moment for me, like COVID was as well. Um, Unfortunately, like I said, many lives were, were, were taken and people have been influenced. And we're going to start seeing the residual effects of that in the next 20 to 30 years, where we're going to start to see, you know, a lot of people grew up and say where they were when that happened and yeah. how did they survive it. But, you know, the good thing is that we do have hopes and dreams that for 2023 and 2024 and moving forward. And maybe that's what keeps us going and just reminding ourselves of that we're still here and we can do the best we yeah, can. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited for y'all. I have one actually last question for you. So this is going to be real fun. If you can tell our listeners, where can they find you online? And if you want to give us any tidbits of, like I said, things you have that are coming up soon or ways that we can support you. And if you want to plug your book as well, that way people will know where they can find it. Yep, absolutely. You can find me on Instagram at gsmalls, G-E-E-S-M-A-L-L-S. You can actually find links in my bio to my book, my website, uh, my restaurant, Virgil's Gala Kitchen, our other restaurant, which is called The Breakfast Boys, uh, as well as our uh, nonprofit foundation. Well, this has just been such a great moment for me, G. First of all, thank you once again for giving me the opportunity to talk with you and share your story on my platform. I, I love talking to new people and getting to meet individuals who I think are not only making changes in the world, but who are willing 
to go the extra mile to identify themselves and hopefully be able to help other people identify their own challenges and, and find hopefully peace in, in the struggle and become a better version of themselves. So I'm just very excited for all the things you're doing. And I can't wait to read the book for sure and continue to support you. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate being here. Oh, absolutely. And let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. All right, G, so just keep me posted. Let me know if you ever want to either come back to Black Canvas or if you want to be a part of my other show, Embracing Your Love Marks. We would just love to have you back, but you just keep doing the great things you're doing. And I wanted to dedicate, Ashley, this episode to Juan and to your son, if you would like that. Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Oh, no problem. All right. So, G, you have a great day. (laughs) You too. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm not afraid.